It would be hard to say that anyone has been living under a rock the past month or so. COVID-19 has really brought unprecedented ways of living. But while the world is in quarantine, you're likely not. You're out being a badass, saving the world, saving lives, and trying to live a life of your own at the same time. And as crazy as the world seems right now, you've probably noticed that the market has matched the chaos. Now, that can make any investor nervous, especially if you're the kind that is actually trying to live off your investments. But how do investors get comfortable with negative returns and actually trying to stay calm during volatile markets? So let's do a little reality check and talk about what's really happening, what the normal behavior is for investors who manage their own money, and why you can be satisfied in knowing that this is a normal part of market behavior. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to the show. I'm really excited to have you guys here because I have one of the best brains in behavioral finance on the show with us to talk actually about investor psychology. Now, I know if I mention her name, you're going to know exactly who she is, but I'm so excited to bring back my good friend, Sarah Fala, who's the author of The Next Millionaire Next Door and owner of Data Points, which is a behavioral psychology and organizational development firm. In other words, Sarah and her firm are badasses at acquiring data in the financial markets and then studying the behavioral trends of not only that data, but also of us as humans. She then talks to people like me about what those behaviors mean and why they're important for self-awareness and how we can help our clients. Because Sarah is so awesome and amazing, she is giving us exclusive access to their proprietary investor profile built around many of the principles in her father's book, The Millionaire Next Door. Now, this is an insane opportunity for all of you to take this assessment and see what your ideal investor profile is. So I've put a link to that in the description of the show that you're listening to me right now in your podcast player. Make sure you click it, take her quiz. It'll probably take about eight to 10 minutes and you will be able to figure out what your investor profile is. Full disclaimer, as I always have to put it out there for compliance purposes, is not investment advice. Please don't take any action on this without consulting an attorney, a CPA, or your fee-only financial advisor. Also, a quick reminder, our book, Financial Residency, Create Your Financial Plan, Without the Long Hours and Sleepless Nights, is out on Amazon. Taylor and I are so excited that it is out. And thank you for all of you who have already supported us. We're number one in multiple categories. And it is such a cool feeling to see people take a picture with our book and post it on social. So if you finally want to build out your own custom financial plan and start living out your ideal life, go grab it on Amazon or you can go to financialresidency.com slash book. All right, let's jump in with Sarah Fala from The Next Millionaire Next Door and Data Points. Welcome, Sarah, to the show. Really excited to have you back on the show. Thank you. I am so glad to be here. This is crazy. So we were talking before we recorded and you were on episode 14 back in January 2nd of 2018. That feels like 10 years ago, right? Right now. What that tells me is... a whole different world. Yeah. It has been way too long since we've had you back on. So I'm excited that you're here. Well, I'm glad to be back for sure. And if anyone wants to listen to that show after hearing this amazing show that Sarah's going to drop a whole bunch of knowledge bombs on us, it was called The Six Proven Behaviors That Increase Wealth. 
and we talked through one of her key profiles that she has at datapoints.com and talked a little bit about the book that she had coming out. So excited that it's sitting up on my thing. I'm looking at it right now, The Next Millionaire Next Door. It's a fantastic book. Well, thank you. Yes. I think that was right before it came out. And you probably had one of the first copies <laughs> that we sent to you too. Yeah. Yeah. And we gave out a copy of it to one of our yep. listeners, which was fun. That was fun. Well, today we're going to be talking uh, a lot on behavioral finance because that's what you're obviously an expert in. And really behavioral finance, for those that may not know, just a high level is is really it's the study of why individuals don't always make decisions that they're expected to make and why markets do not reliably behave the way that we expect them to behave. Pretty much is a high level on that. And we're going to be talking on surviving the volatile markets that are happening right now, but also finding our ideal investor profile. And you were so kind enough to let all of the financial residency community take one of your investor profile questionnaires. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that so they can get excited and then we'll dig into the the meat of the show. Yeah, absolutely. So again, on your website, we've added the investor profile just for everybody that's listening. And it is an assessment that helps you understand your investor-related characteristics. So we created what, think about it like a competency model of investing. If you think about the things that allow somebody to be a really good investor, even in times like this, those are the kinds of things that we're measuring. So things like how composed you are. So we call that volatility composure. If you're familiar with the big five factor model of personality, which probably a lot of your listeners are, it's closely related to the component of emotional stability. And so just for, again, for your listeners and particularly for physicians, you guys tend to be very high on emotional stability. You're able to just keep a cool head no matter what's happening around you. And so that's a great characteristic to have for investing. There are a couple of others as well, and that includes things like investor confidence. So how knowledgeable we are and how we feel about our ability to manage investing and and make investing decisions. And so what we've seen is that generally that's one area where physicians could really improve, could really build their knowledge can build their, again, their kind of self-efficacy. Can I do this over time, especially by reading and becoming educated and listening, obviously, to shows like yours, Ryan, really, again, building that knowledge. And that's one way to improve how well you make decisions about investments. The other things include things like judgment. So whether or not we view investing as a long-term play, as something that is really going to benefit us in the long-term, or if it's something that's more short-term. I enjoy trading. I enjoy watching the markets, maybe not right now. But if that tends to be your personality, that's going to be a little more challenging from an investor success perspective. So Sarah's putting together this assessment and it's not some tiny little sample of it. She's giving us the whole thing, which is fantastic and amazing. But in order for her also to ultimately make money with someone subscribing and other advisors to do that, she's only going to give it to us for a short period of time. So as the show goes out, we're going to pull it down on April 14th and you can go to financialresidency.com slash data points, D-A-T-A-P-O-I-N-T-S. 
The link is also in the description of the show. For all the financial advisors that listen to the show, this stuff is amazing. You should be subscribing to this and giving this to all your clients because it is fantastic. We absolutely love working with data points. And Sarah, thank you for providing this to all of the community for the next week. So we really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it. And I think I probably didn't give a great description of what will happen. But when you go to that website, you can click on the link. You take a 10-minute assessment. It's going to ask you about your past behaviors and decisions that you've made and your personality. And then after that, you'll get an email with your report. So it's a PDF report. And you can kind of see where you stand compared to our database. And there'll be some insights there to help you kind of improve over time. Yeah, I hope you guys understand how cool this is that they are letting us do this for the whole community. It's part of the stuff that the the books, the Millionaire Next Door, the Next Millionaire Next Door were written with and some of the data used. And now we're able to take advantage of that and get a real nice investor profile put together for all of you. So don't wait if you're listening to this in real time. You have until April 14th until we have to take that down. So Sarah, to kind of now go into the next piece of this, bear markets really create the FOMO emotion, you know, the fear of missing out. Definitely. And so the what we noticed with clients was that the appetite for risk Mm -hmm. was through the roof. Everyone said basically they want to be more aggressive. They want to own more stocks than bonds. Some of our clients actually said it's silly to own bonds. They don't actually do what stocks do. Why would we ever own bonds? And I think part of that is recency bias, right? We saw this massive 129th month bull market. Mm-hmm. But what changes like in their behaviors or emotions when we enter a bear market? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it has to do primarily with, again, our personality. So if you are tend to be an investor who, again, kind of keeps their cool no matter what and really prefers risk in your portfolio, maybe you're even a little overconfident, you are going to really feel the need to take some action and potentially in a good way. You may be buying, if you will, at the right time, but the struggle there is, of course, in essence, you may be trying to time the market. So the emotions, again, like you said, the kind of the FOMO that occurs, particularly for folks that tend to prefer a lot of risk in their portfolio, that have a high level of confidence, edging on overconfidence, which we know from countless studies is not a great thing from investing. And then again, typically those folks maybe have a cool head. I would say maybe that's the average in terms of their composure. But, you know, on the other hand, we see, for example, those that are accountants and folks like that, that don't like risk really at all from a general risk-taking perspective. They tend to be very low on that. They tend to just want to stick with their plan no matter what. And sometimes that can be good and sometimes that's not the best answer. But again, really the FOMO depends on your personality, how much you're going to feel that and how much you're going to want to be a part of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's also how you are influenced by others, right? So those close mm-hmm. to you. And I I immediately, yeah. you know, saying that thought of that social indifference. Absolutely. Concept, even though it's a different way, but it's kind of like just being influenced by others. I mean, that obviously plays a lot into this, right? 
Yeah, that's a great point. So that, you know, desire to kind of keep up with what everyone is doing around you is can be really detrimental, especially right now, especially if you've got friends and family members that have lots of ideas about how you should be investing and they feel like they're making money or maybe they made money last week. And, you know, that can be really a challenge to ignore. Again, I think that goes back to investor confidence. So if you feel like you're maybe not as savvy as you want to be, or you maybe second guess your decisions, that's the time where you need to maybe check that with either a financial planner or somebody that you know you feel like generally makes sound, calm decisions about their investments. Because again, there's a lot of folks out there, particularly right now, I mean, even again, neighbors and friends over social media that are sharing a lot of ideas about how you should invest. And you really have to not only check that based on what experts are saying, but also it has to align with your long-term investment strategy as well. Yeah, I've even noticed that on the physician forums, some of the Facebook groups, even in our own group, someone had just joined the group and their first question was, hey, the markets are down a lot. What stock should I be buying? Mm. Right? And I'm like, oof, you haven't listened long enough, my friend. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. There's right. there's at least 175 yeah. shows that you should go listen to to show you that that's not the sound way to invest. But I've seen it in, and not even just, I guess, the physicians, even in some of the FIRE community groups that I'm in is all of a sudden it went from passive investing, index investing is the best thing, which it is, to all of a sudden everyone thinks that they're Warren Buffett and can go time and buy stocks. And oh, now's the time to buy airlines. It's like, why? Because they're all going bankrupt and we're bailing them out. Like that doesn't sound like a great sound financial decision to throw a whole bunch of money into. It's all speculation. Yeah, you know, I think part of what happens, again, to all of us, even the coolest of heads right now is having a, you know, we're all having a tough time not paying attention to what's happening from minute to minute uh, during the day related to the markets. But yeah, I think that for all of the folks that maybe haven't thought about how they generally respond to stress, that's kind of where that volatility composure piece comes in. So if my experience, and I shared this with someone the other day, that I went into the grocery store on March 13th here in Atlanta, where I live, and I think I almost had a panic attack. I am low on volatility composure. I don't keep a cool head. I start panic buying. If I was in charge of our investments at home, I would probably be panic buying at the lows and and selling at the highs because that's my general pattern of behaviors. So if you start thinking about your own patterns of behaviors, and again, the assessment will kind of help you dissect that a little bit, but then you can anticipate how you might react in the future or kind of confirm how you did react. And then you can think about how you might improve in the future as well. I think that's a really important note here that I want to stop for a second. Mm -hmm. One of the most brilliant minds in this space just told you, based on the assessments that she knows and builds and does, taking it herself and realizing how she reacts, maybe she isn't the best person to manage their money. And that is going to increase your probability of success through the roof to let your husband manage instead of you. Right. Because I'm assuming, and I know that he is just because I know his personality, <laughs> that he has a different composure to risk. That's really, really important. So, and it speaks volumes for the the work that you're doing um, to be able to kind of step back and, and to say that. And I, I, I appreciate that. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. He is a tax attorney by trading. And so he, unlike me, doesn't really have a high risk personality. He doesn't take a lot of risks, but he certainly can keep a cool head. And, you know, absolutely. When you compare and contrast our investor profile scores, it's, yeah, you'll, you'll know who we are by, by looking at those for sure. You made him sound so fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I look at this as, you know, there's only uh, Warren Buffett quotes aren't really going to save you in a downturn, right? You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to read something and get super passionate on it. Yeah. You know, so what can physicians listening really do to stop making poor money decisions when their emotions are running high mm-hmm. and they haven't, even though I've been trying to smack them with this a bunch, build a plan, get a plan going, write plans down. But if they haven't done that and emotions are high, how can they stop from making those poor money decisions? I think maybe thinking about some of perhaps the training that they've had around helping individuals that are going through grief or have maybe have lost, just lost a loved one, a significant life event. And how would you talk to someone or coach someone that was having that happen to them? Think about that and sort of apply it to yourself. So when you're going through a critical incident, I would say like we're all going through today, and especially for those that are on the front lines of what's happening with COVID-19, again, taking a step back and not making a a significant decision that could alter the trajectory of your financial future and waiting and waiting and making that decision later or thinking about whether or not it's in the best interest, again, of your long-term goals. If you don't have goals today, then that's maybe the better place to start instead of reacting and acting. Again, I think a lot of the training, particularly that medical professionals receive related to like emergencies and things like that can come into play here. You can stop, take stock of what's happening and make sure that the decision is not only in the best interest of the short term, but more importantly, of the long term as well. And you might be thinking, well, I don't have a lot of money to invest. I'm a resident or I'm a new attending. Mm. And this isn't as important where I actually think it's the most important time because you don't have a lot of money swaying and moving Mm. your decisions that you have the ability to put in place strong behavioral and financial habits when you don't have millions that are moving and you're not swayed by those. So you can have more concrete plans. And those that have the millions already and further along in their career, you might make much bigger mistakes if you don't pay attention to these different behavioral characteristics that can pull or push you into different directions. Yeah, I I think, again, understanding, do I have a cool head about what's happening right now? And do I have the knowledge I need to make this decision? Those kinds of things are going to help. They interplay together in addition to confidence and all those other things. But this is the time, again, to have a network of professionals, whether it's a financial planner, accounting folks, you know, whoever it might be that can reassure you. Or again, if you can find resources that are reputable to help you and, and where you can build your knowledge, podcasts are great because not a lot of us have time, but if you're driving somewhere, that's something that you can listen to. It's a combination, though, of your knowledge, your composure, and your confidence. And you really do have to think about all those three things as you're making decisions. Am I, am I calm enough to make this decision? Do I have the knowledge I need? And am I trying to do something that no one else really can do, like time the market? 
Yeah, I think that's a good point there. And, you know, when clients or potential clients ask us our investment philosophy, which, by the way, if you're going to ever hire an advisor, you should ask them. That's one of those questions. Like, what is your investment philosophy? And, and I tell them, look, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't time the market. There's Nobel Prize winning research that shows that active investing will not beat passive investing over the long run. And usually they're like, well, then what do you do when you manage money? I'm like, ah, that's a great question. And I somewhat say, and it's jokingly, and then I go into a a much bigger thing of what we actually do, but really I protect your money from you, Mm. from making poor decisions. So if those listening aren't working with an advisor or they don't work with us, how can they put up that imaginary wall Mm. essentially to separate emotions from money decisions, especially while the volatility right now is just through the roof? I think there are a couple of things that we often recommend for, again, individuals that tend to be a little more skittish and and feel those negative emotions more than others during times like this. And a lot of them are similar to things you might hear when you're trying to reach any goal, like weight loss or what have you, learning a new skill, something like that. But you know, number one is to put yourself in an environment that where you can be successful. And a lot of times that's going to mean not paying attention to what's happening in the markets. That's one way to ensure that you're eliminating some of those emotions that may come up as you're watching what's happening. Again, it's almost like, especially those of us in the financial services world feel like we're constantly having to watch it. So that's, I would say, the first recommendation is to kind of put yourself in an environment where you're not tempted to see all of that that information. I think the other is, again, just like with any large-scale consumer purchase, so think about this in the context of buying a house or buying a car, wait before making a decision. You know, you may think you know what you want to do, but wait. And you may feel that FOMO, but recognize that you're feeling it and that that is natural, that especially if you're someone that often feels like you're missing out on something and just wait and take a step back. And then I would say, you know, again, if you're not necessarily working with a financial planner to talk to someone that does seem to have a cool head about what's happening and just check your decision-making. We'd recommend folks that are fiduciaries and that are working for in the best interests of their clients. But absent of that, there are others in your life that may be making better decisions and look to them to help you and check kind of what you're thinking about doing. Yeah. Not everyone should work with a planner. Like it's, Mm -hmm. that's one thing I've learned early on in in my career and just talking to thousands of people. Not everyone Mm -hmm. is built for one. A lot of DIY type people out there, but you still need some backstop to stop mm-hmm. you from making a, a poor decision. I was just talking to a good planner friend of mine. Well, at this time, this records about three weeks ago from when you're hearing it. And it was when volatility was was going through the down percent, you know, 13%, up nine. You know, we were having really big swings. Yeah. And they had had so many meetings with their clients that they were starting to internalize their anxiety mm-hmm. around it. Now, he doesn't work with physicians, but he was starting to internalize it. And I kind of had to talk him back from the ledge here right. and say, hey, you know, here's the way we were trained. Here's the way we're thinking. And it was it was more just he was being kind of felt surrounded by it. So taking a step back, having someone that is level headed. I mean, this is all really great recommendations for that. So I, I, I appreciate that. And hopefully you guys listening can take that and, and actually take it to heart and start to implement some of these things, even if you're not going to ever work with a financial advisor to have someone there, though 
that can bounce ideas off that is level-headed is necessary and needed, especially during heightened volatility times. So Sarah, on the investor profile that you are so amazingly going to, so gracious to give us access to, there's kinds of characteristics that are important when it comes to starting or continuing your investing, let's call it career. Mm -hmm. And I know that you guys identify some of those pieces, but I guess what I'm asking is someone that's trying to just get through this or is struggling versus someone who may be excelling, like what kind of characteristics really are built into this and how can someone kind of get in touch with that? Let's say they go through your, your profile and how do they walk away with some value out of that? Yeah. So I think in addition to the three that we've talked about, right? So investor composure and confidence and personality, there's two other components, including judgment, which we talked a little bit about and preference. So the idea here is to take those five components and to understand how you typically respond and how you typically make investing decisions using that profile of of personality. And again, it's very specific to investing. And then, you know, from there, you know, think about the kind of the experiences that maybe you've had in the past related to investing and say, you know, okay, I can see now that maybe I was not in the best, that was probably not the best decision that I made. And I can now see how my personality played into that. And then again, while you want to look at each individual characteristic separately to help you understand what they mean and what that might mean for you in the future, you do have to take it all as a whole. So you do have to understand, again, like I mentioned, if you are, very high on volatility composure, which most physicians are. You guys can, again, stay cool no matter what. But at the same time, if I'm high on that, but I'm low on investor confidence, how can I build that confidence over time? Thinking about making sure that I feel like I'm a really good investor and that I know that I have the knowledge about the stock market. I understand the terms. So especially if you're working with a financial planner and they send you a lot of technical information that you don't understand, you know, that's definitely a time to speak up. A lot of people that have low confidence don't speak up and don't ask questions. But that's how you can take that information and think about, again, how you might improve in the future or just anticipate how you're going to feel. Again, as we move through this, where we're recording now, we're not finished with this. I think, Ryan, you'd agree. And so this is going to keep happening over and over, I think, as the months move on here in 2020. So I think that understanding how you might react, especially if there's another huge move in the market, which there may be can help you again, prepare yourself to make good decisions no matter what's happening. And if you find that you are, or your spouse of a physician, not necessarily just the physician, but if you find that you are like Sarah, where you're maybe a little more skittish, how did you phrase you skittish, but what, <laughs> how did you phrase it yeah. when um, you said that you, you basically, you didn't handle volatility well? Right. I was low on, on volatility composure. I was yeah anxious and I, I feel those negative emotions more than someone that's high, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so if that's you, that's okay. Hopefully your significant other doesn't mirror that. Right. But if it does, how do they kind of institute a check and balance, so to speak, so they don't both decide to panic sell? Right. That's a great question. I think that in terms of how do spouses kind of come together and recognize that, hey, if we're the same on this, that's going to be something that we need to think about. I think it goes back to looking again at your strengths, at each member of the household's strengths. So maybe the other member of the house, your spouse is really high on knowledge and judgment related to investing. Well, let's lean on that. Even though you're feeling this way, 
you do recognize that there are going to be short-term highs and lows in our long-term investing strategy. So, you know, lean on to the things that you're strong, where you're strong and you're high. And then again, each member of the household can come together and talk through those decisions so that they're a check on each other, even though you both may be feeling pretty anxious about what's happening around you. Yeah, I think that's a really smart way to put that. I was thinking as you were going through that, is an investment policy statement is obviously extremely important. An IPS yep. statement is, is kind of how we phrase it. Yep. And if you both are low on the volatility, I would say you probably should have more guidelines or bumpers or rules built into your mm-hmm. investment policy statement so you can both go back and refer to that. Obviously, it'd be nice to have built that during non-crazy volatile pandemic times. But still, there's no better time than now to start putting that together. But I kind of feel like if they had more rules in place and written that they could have a document that they could kind of go back to and in instituting the, hey, let's wait, pause, make sure that this is exactly what we want to do, reference the document, and maybe the emotions will subside at that point. Absolutely. I think the trick there, of course, is to make sure that one or more of the the spouses are reminding themselves that they even have that document. So that takes some kind of discipline and pausing and remembering, hey, we have this long-term strategy. Let's go back to looking at this. Let's make sure we lean on this. No, it's a great point. Yeah. This isn't something you stick up on the fridge like it's your kid's homework or a scores. I might need that right now. I got to be honest. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. I know yeah. your other half, not the better yes. half, the other half though, will, uh, yes. will be yes. fine. So that's right. That's well, right. I really appreciate it. And I want everyone to understand that Sarah, by doing this, is not making anything. This is not a, a ploy to make money. She's doing this to help all of us. So it's really her way of giving back to the physicians on the front lines that are saving our asses from this pandemic. And we really appreciate you giving the whole community access to this study. Now, clients of ours have access to this because we pay for your service. We absolutely love it. But the idea that thousands and thousands and thousands of people could potentially take this and not have to pay is remarkable. And we're so thankful that you're going to give us access to do this. And so if you're interested in filling this out after kind of hearing what we've been talking about, I know we talked about in the beginning of the show, but go to financialresidency.com slash data points. D-A-T-A-P-O-I-N-T-S, which is Sarah's amazing company. And it'll also be linked in our description of this show. You can just click it and it'll open up and take you right to the landing page that you can start filling it out. And then it will email you your results. And like I said, financial planners who are sneakily listening to the show, I know you're out there. It's okay. Click on this and go talk to Sarah and her team because it's phenomenal and we love working with Sarah and her team. Sarah, for those that don't know much more about you than just this show, because we have a lot of new listeners since you were on the show back in early 2018, tell everyone what you're up to. Tell them about your amazing book, which by the way, I still have another copy I'm going to give away here pretty soon, but tell them a little bit more about you. Yeah. So my focus is on understanding the psychology behind 
financial decision making and and how we kind of relate to money. And so data points, if you go to datapoints.com, you can learn more about what we do. Our data points is primarily focused on financial planners and coaches and therapists, those that are in those fields. But a lot of our research that we conduct for individuals, investors and things like that is there as well. And then if you go to themillionairenextdoor.com, you can see all of the publications, obviously, that my father wrote, as well as The Next Millionaire Next Door. And that's where we're going to be, you know, continuing to update on the research that we do for individuals too. So right now we're starting a research study on parenting and kind of how individuals fund fund parenting, uh, if you will, and how much money we all spend on our kids. And so I'm really excited about that. And hopefully I'll get to come back and talk about it with you in a couple of years. How about less than a couple of years? Maybe next year. Let's, Let's have do you wishful back on. thinking. This is, should be an annual thing. So 2021, yep. we're going to have you back on. Perfect. We're going to talk about parenting and everything else that you're learning. I just yeah. know like some of the birthday parties for like the, my three and five-year-olds that some of these people are throwing. I'm just like, it's right. amazing yep. to go to. Yep. But at the same time, I'm like... My wedding didn't cost that much is what I think. Yeah. <laughs> How are you affording this? Yeah. Sometimes it's the little things. So, uh, you know, I'll admit that for Wyatt's party, when we had that pre, obviously, quarantine, we had a little petting zoo come, but it was a couple hundred dollars Aww. and it was yep. fantastic. And it was, he's still talking about it. Yep. So there's, I think there's a fine line between, hey, let's be frugal and not do anything and try to save a bunch of money. And then the extravagant blowing everything out of proportion. But it's the little things. He still loved yeah, it. So absolutely. We were actually going through pictures on the TV and he saw it and got all excited again. Oh, so. yes. Well, thank you so much for being here and for the amazing opportunity to have this questionnaire go out to our community. This is such a treat and we're so thankful that you're doing that. Well, thanks for having me on and thanks to all the listeners and all the work that you're doing. I don't think our country can thank you enough for continuing to be on the front lines with us. So thank you all and thank you, Ryan. Well, that was an awesome show with Sarah. And like I always want to, it's time for our recap. So here are three takeaways I'd love for you to walk away with. Takeaway number one, I really loved the point that Sarah made about physicians and how you are conditioned to have a very strong emotional stability. And what this means to me is that even during trying times, you have it within you to look at situations from a balanced perspective. This is exactly what Sarah had to say about it. And for your listeners, and particularly for physicians, you guys tend to be very high on emotional stability. You're able to just keep a cool head no matter what's happening around you. And so that's a great characteristic to have for investing. Second takeaway is while physicians have strong emotional stability, each person has different personalities. You draw from training, but you also draw from who you are by nature. Really, the, the FOMO depends on your personality, how much you're going to feel that and how much you're going to want to be a part of that. And last, be careful with how you're allowing yourself to be influenced by the people around you. Remember, you're the average of the five people you hang around with the most. So pay attention to how you're affected by someone else's investing behavior. If they're trying to time the market, does that make you want to do it too? If they're buying and selling, are you trying to do the same? You are your own person with unique financial circumstances. You do what is best for you. You do you, boo. Right? So here's what Sarah said. 
So that desire to kind of keep up with what everyone is doing around you can be really detrimental, especially right now, especially if you've got friends and family members that have lots of ideas about how you should be investing and they feel like they're making money or maybe they made money last week. And that can be really a challenge to ignore. One of my favorite parts of the show is our quick community updates. And like I mentioned in the beginning, we just released our books, Taylor and I, and we are so excited. Financial Residency creates your own financial plan without the long hours and sleepless nights. It was available for purchase this week for pre-order. Some of you already got in the mail and left your reviews. And because of that, we're number one in knowledge capital and number one in wealth management. Hashtag woot. Super excited. Now, we couldn't be any more excited about the support you've all shown us. Thank you so, so, so much for showing us the support on our first book. Now, if you're the DIY type and really want to see your dreams come to life, check out the book. If you buy the book, you get access to the free companion course that has tons of downloadable content, worksheets, tools to get your plan down on paper. So to create your financial plan under 25 bucks, because that's an awesome deal, go check out Amazon and search for it or just push the easy button in the show description, the link that's there, financialresidency.com slash book. All right, everyone, have a great rest of your day and I will see you tomorrow.